0: If you have your Bible, and I hope you do, join me in Romans chapter 12 this morning. And right off the bat, let's read those verses together again, verses 1 and 2 of chapter 12 as we get ready to, uh, to dig in this morning. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that he has done for you. Let them be a living and a holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. This is the only way to worship him. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And as we continue this morning in our in our study of the letter to the church in rome we're 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 at a turning point in in this letter chapter 12 is is where everything everything takes a turn we're moving from the theological side of the letter to the practical side of the letter and that's that's really what we're going to dig into this morning and, and there's there's a hinge a transition statement that starts the chapter. My translation, if you heard that, it said, "And so, dear brothers and sisters." Your translation, depending on what you've studied, uh, it may say "therefore." But this this is that that mark in the letter when Paul is is turning turning the corner for us. And He's giving us so much practical stuff and he's giving us in just a, a couple of chapters to wrap everything up because he's established everything from the standpoint of what the gospel is and why we believe the gospel all the way back to Romans 1 16 and 17 you know the the gospel that that uh, is what we what we believe in what we live for what we what we should be willing to die for, but the gospel that makes us right with God. And that's what, remember, that's what we've been talking about for a few weeks now, that whole idea of being right. Not being right, but being right with God. Taking on his righteousness that he gives us as a free gift by grace through the death of Burial and resurrection of his son. He makes us right when God looks at us He sees us through the lens of his son, and he sees us as righteous People and Paul's been laying the groundwork for us to understand that and then he's been laying the groundwork for us too to understand what it means to be right with ourselves if you really think about what we've been talking about especially The last three or four weeks, we've spent a lot of time talking about how specifically addressing uh, Paul's letter, addressing to his fellow Jews, but talking about how we still struggle with trying, trying to do. Trying to be right trying to live by a standard that we've created not a standard that God created But a standard that we created and we put all of this stuff in the way of our Relationship with God when God made us right with himself. He made us righteous And everything has been fulfilled so what Paul's been trying to get us understand understand through these first 11 chapters also is for us to be right with me. God's made me right with Him, so I can be all right with me too. I can trust God, and I can live by faith in God, and there's nothing that I have to do to earn anything. And there's nothing that I have to do to increase my favor and my merit with God because it's all been done it's all been accomplished because God through Jesus Christ took care of all of that and all in and I don't want this to come across as a simplistic term but it really is simple and what Paul's been trying to get That audience then and us as an audience today to understand all we have to do is live our lives in Christ. That's all we have to do. But we complicate it with so much other stuff. And Paul's been telling us, stop it. Just stop it. Just live your life in Christ. And then we we started a couple of weeks ago with this transition statement and You didn't know that this is what we were doing But this is this is what is so much fun about studying this letter out I told you a few weeks ago and started asking you this question because the gospel should be transforming our lives this This living and being right with God and living and being right with ourselves should be transforming who we are and I've been asking you a question now for three or four weeks Are we allowing the gospel to shape our lives and the spirit to control it? And even a couple of weeks ago, I stumbled on it. And I said, are we allowing the gospel to shake our lives and the spirit to control it? And that was an accident. But the more and more that I've rolled that around in my head... I really think that those two words work together. The gospel shaping us, and the gospel is what we're going to look at this morning as we continue this idea of being right and talk about what it means to be right with others because the gospel should shake everything about us in our relationship with other people. It should shape us. But it should shake us, too, because remember, the gospel is only good news if it gets to people in time. And we don't know what that time is. And the gospel should shake us that deep. That we, we, we just, we've got to know that we know that we're, that we're right. And we've got to know that we've got to know that we've got to know that our friends and our family and our co-workers and all the people we've talked about for a few weeks too, our circle of influence, those people that we're with all of the time, do we know that they know? And it's their choice. Remember, we we can't force anyone to make a decision. God will work and water and grow the seeds that we plant, but the gospel should shake us to the core that we've just got to ask because we know the hope that we have and we should not want anybody else to perish. We're even going to talk about our enemies this morning and I'm going to challenge you later to share the gospel with your worst enemy. But that's what the gospel should do to us. It should shake us and shape us to the point that we've got to know that our enemies Have heard the message so butterflies. What do butterflies have to do with all of this stuff. I didn't just show you a a, a Quick video about science just for nothing there There's a word in these verses these first two verses that you've already heard and I've said it three or four times again already this morning the word is transform and My Greek is really bad and the study of Greek is really old, but this comes from a word in the Greek Metamorpho, my. We're going to pretend like I said that right. Um, we get our word metamorphosis from that, and we what we watched that video. That was the metamorphosis, the caterpillar to the butterfly. And here's here's a couple of key thoughts as we dig further into the scripture this morning that I want you to keep in the back of your mind. As we're talking about these things. Because that that caterpillar that we watched become that butterfly. It was changed from within. An inside. An inside out transformation. That, that, that caterpillar formed the cocoon and the larvae inside. And I sound like I'm teaching a biology class. And I'm sorry. But that larvae goes through a change. And it goes through a change from the. Inside out and and here here's the the cool thing about god's creation and that butterfly When it came out of the cocoon and it unfolded its wings and it was ready it flew and it started its next life in its new nature And nobody had to tell it how to do that It was transformed from within and then lived a new life. And here, here's how it works for us in our relationship with God. When we, when we surrender our lives to Christ through the gospel message because of the good news, we're restructured. We're transformed. We're made righteous. We're made right and in that second nature the call that paul's been stressing to us over and over we should we should soar by nature and there's things as that butterfly goes that it learns instinctively as it goes but it it takes on that transformed body and lives in its second nature and that for us that question again are we allowing the gospel to shape our lives in the spirit to control it that should be who we are that second nature but again paul has stressed it to us over and over we we get to trying to be right and trying to do stuff and we get tired and we want to give up when the truth is that because of our new nature and because of our desire to live for God and, and what He's now instilled in us, our obedience to Him should grow from a desire within because we've been transformed. And the cool thing about it, it it's never over. This is never over in our relationship with God. The deeper we go in our relationship, the more and more that becomes instinctive and the more and the more that we're renewed and the deeper and the deeper that we're able to go with God, but the deeper and deeper that we're able to go in our relationships with other people be right be right with god be right with ourselves and now be right with others through the gospel shaping our lives let's continue in the in the letter down to verse 6 paul continue, continuing on and this is this is how we we do these things remember that practical part of living in our relationship with god and with other people in his grace verse 6 god has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. Spiritual gifts. We're all given spiritual gifts. And there may be some of you here this morning that have heard nothing about spiritual gifts and don't know what they are. And in those verses just prior and just after verse 6, Paul gives... Paul gives an example of a few. It's not an exhaustive list. There's three or four places in the New Testament where you can, and I can can share that information with you as well, where you can see what some of the the different spiritual gifts are. But there's there's the gift of mercy. Uh, There's a gift of giving. Um, There's a gift of teaching. Um, and, and, And the list goes on and on and on. And we're all... We're all gifted some of us may have the same gift But most of us don't we're gifted Differently and there there are tests that you can take that can show you what your gifts are But here, here's another reality for us as well That as as we learn and discern what our gifts are and don't Don't think this is something that that is as complicated as it's going to sound because Spiritual gifts are another thing that we can make a mess out of um, because what happens because we're people, we want this gift, but we don't have it. And so jealousy can, can rear its ugly head. Pride can pop up because, well, I've got this gift and you don't. So I'm better. Not, no, don't ever, no, don't ever let the enemy tell you that lie because God gifts us all differently. So we come together as a body and we use our gifts together as a body to glorify God. And he intentionally gifts us all different. And what our gifts do, they communicate to others. Our, even our, our walk with God um, Some of the gifts are temporary our gifts can change some of some of them are are Using our own terminology long-term long-lasting. It's a gift uh, That we that we will have for a long time maybe forever But the key to our spiritual gifts is that they're all All of the spiritual gifts are equally important And all of our spiritual gifts the way that god gives us they require us to use them because we're all created for service in God's kingdom and service to each other. Think about it this way, uh, just to kind of give you an idea of how gifts work in the body. Um, and I'm going to give you an example of the physical body, but we're going to make it kind of fit us as, as a body. My, my left elbow itches. I can ask God to take that away, but more than likely, He's just not going to zap my left elbow to make the itch stop. What He's going to do through the marvel of the body is the communication is going to go from my brain to my right hand to scratch my itch. My right hand's gifted and different than my left elbow, and my right hand is able to serve. My Elbow and take away the 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 itch to to walk through that with my left elbow But here's how it applies to the body with with our gifts My right hand ministered to my left elbow, but in the body we have we have joys and we we have Exciting things and we have struggles and we have hurt and we have pain and there's someone in the body Gifted to minister To that pain to that issue minister to that to that joy But if we're not if we're not together And if we're not actively engaged in the body of Christ and we're not actively engaged with each other We're going to miss those opportunities to utilize the gifts that we've been given And to serve each other and to serve the church as well moving on verse let's pick up in verse 9 of chapter 12 Paul continues to write don't just pretend to love others really love them hate what is wrong hold tightly to what is good love each other with genuine affection and take delight In honoring each other never be lazy but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically rejoice in our confident hope be patient in trouble and keep on praying when God's people are in need be ready to help them always be eager to practice hospitality bless those who persecute you don't curse them pray that God will bless them be happy with Those who are happy and weep with those who are weep Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people and Don't think That you know it all you hear you hear do you hear these instructions these practical? instructions practical application from Paul of how the gospel should impact and shape and drive us, drive us every day. We've been given, through, through God, we've been given a new power, and that power is love and our love for people and our love for each other Should differentiate us, should make us stand out, not make us proud. Again, something we've got to be so very careful with, not to be proud, but it's something that should differentiate us from the world around us, make us stand out, but make us attractive at the same time. The love of Christ and the love that we have for each other should make us attractive to the outside world. And what Paul is saying, if you Again, I know I can be a nerd about this, but if you dig into the language and really look at it, what Paul is saying, we've been given the power to love, love each other with the love of family. That, that's how that translates into English. To love, love each other with the love of family. You ever told anybody you love, love them? Not just I love you, but I love, love you. That, that's the power of, that we have through the gospel that's shaping our lives and think about this idea of family I hope as I share this with you this morning that this for you is a reflection of your family if it's not I hope for you it's a reflection of this family again the heart of who we are as a church but that that idea of family brings a whole different criteria into the mix and into the discussion because in a family we don't give up on anybody right in our family we don't give up on anybody we're devoted to each other we'll rearrange our life for family and it's never an option i hope i hope it's never an option to boot anybody out of the family or to give up on them it's not an option for a family and again if this if this for you is not your family that you know what i pray is that again here our family that's that's what you know that's what you sense and, and that's what you feel that kind of love for each other we'll never give up on each other will never boot anybody out, but we would rearrange our lives to take care of our family, because that love that God gives us, that hope that we have through Christ is an overflow of our lives, and that overflow of love gives us a new level of patience. Patience with, and this this is a big word when it comes to patience, but patience with with everybody. That's how much the love of Christ and the gospel in our hearts should change us, that that love overflows into patience with everyone because even our enemies, I told you earlier I was going to challenge you with sharing the gospel with even your enemies because here's here's the reality. Again, I've said that it's only good news if it gets to someone in time and, and here's, here's, you know, a truth for us about anybody in our lives. And th- this is going to sound funny, but if they're not dead, God's not done yet. If they're not dead, God's not done yet. There's still hope. And there's still, for us, should be this drive for us to know that they know and that love, putting our words into action, a tangible expression as we bear burdens with each other in our relationships and we're walking our life together with people that they should know. They should know that we love them too. They should know that there's a hope that they can have. And, and they should know They should know that we believe in them and we want them to know and we care deeply for them just like even our enemies, just like they're our family. Because if they do hear the good news, surrender their lives to Christ, they're made right with God just like we are and they're part of the family and we have we have an obligation we have an obligation through the gospel to love them to welcome them who they are where they are how they are because the gospel The hope in Christ is for everybody. There's not a caveat that says this is for them and not them. The gospel is for the world. God wants people to know and the gospel should compel us. To let the world know back to back to verse 1 and I I won't read it again I may be on the screen behind me, but again in in verse 1 when we're especially when we're talking about our enemies I keep coming back to that because it's so very important what we've got to remember we're not we're not called to repay evil with evil there's plenty that we could talk about vengeance is god's it's not ours we're called to love people but what we've got to remember when it comes to us forming our opinions about who's good enough for us to share the gospel with what we should always remember in, in verse 1 we should go back to the point of remembering what God did for us through Jesus Christ because we were God's enemy as sinners, and God loved us enough to send His Son to die for us. And when we believe in Him, we're made right, we're transformed, and we should always remember that we are sinners first, then we're sinned against, and it's never when it comes to our enemies, it's never more. Think about this. It's never more than what God has forgiven us for. We have nothing against anybody else that's more than what God has given us for. Nothing. Let that, let that resonate. And think about that question again. Are you allowing the gospel to shape your life? and the Spirit to control it. Are you so saturated by the gospel that our relationship and the relationship around us are transformed as God is making us right with the people around us as well? And again, it starts with Him. We've got to be right with Him. And then He makes us right with ourselves. And then we've got to live our, our life to be right with others in the world around us It's just what we're called to do. We don't have a choice. We don't have a choice. Let's let's move ahead in the text. It, we're going to read a couple of verses here in chapter thirteen, and it's really going to sound strange because Paul Paul makes not, nothing is nothing is a. a, a Misinformation, but it just kind of seems odd, but it it's important to us as well as we move into chapter 13 And we start talking about the government Why would paul just throw this section in about our relationship with the government? Because it's it's important and we're not going to talk about political stuff And we're not going to talk about a political stance. We're going to talk about our relationship in uh, chapter 13 verses 1 and 2 everyone must submit to the To the governing authorities for all authority comes from God and those in positions of authority have been placed there by God have been placed there by God so anyone who rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted and they will be punished and here's just briefly on, on this section to understand We've got enough going on in our world with government and our opinions of a lot of things. But as Paul was writing this letter and he was stressing to the people about their relationships with other people and how the gospel has changed our lives, the, the government in Rome that Paul is writing about specifically, their relationship with the church was uneasy at best. At best. The emperor Caligula at the time was just an evil and vile man he killed his wife and his son so that they wouldn't rebel against him and take his place as leader he installed his horse as a senator so that he always knew that he had at least one vote in his favor and and this is this is this is legitimate stuff caligula was just a vile man but what Paul is wanting the people then to understand and what, uh, for us to understand. He appointed the people in charge then just like he has today. And they have power. God-given power. We don't always agree. We probably rarely agree. But they're, they're there for a purpose by God. And we have a responsibility. We have a responsibility through the gospel of Jesus Christ to submit and obey out of honor and obedience to God to those that are in authority. We have a responsibility to honor them as God's servants. As hard as it is and as much as it hurts, we have a responsibility to honor them as God's servants. And we have, and this is what Paul's wanting them to understand, and we're going to move on and, and close. We have a responsibility to engage with them as well. And We're not going to get into any political discussion, but we have a responsibility to engage with those that God has ordained and put in place for his purpose. We can't sit back and do nothing and complain about it. We love, we respect, we honor, and we engage. Moving on so that we don't get caught there. Verse 8 of chapter 13. Owe nothing to anyone except for your obligation to love one another. If you love your neighbor, you will fulfill the requirements of God's law. For the commandments say you must not commit adultery. You must not murder. You must not steal. You must not covet. These and other such commandments are summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to others, so love fulfills the requirements of the law. And bringing bringing our time together to a close this morning, love your neighbor as yourself. And there's so much evidence in that one statement to what we're allowing the gospel to do in our lives. Our neighbors. And it it brings up a question that we ask all the time. And there's even someone in Scripture that asked Jesus this question. But it's important for us this morning Who's my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? Your neighbor is not just the person living in the house next door to you. We've got lots of neighbors in the world. Yes, they count on your cul-de-sac or your street or whatever it is. They count. But our neighbors are everyone around us. And the love that fulfills God's requirements and the love that fills us and the love that God equips us with to make us right with others should be evidence in our lives as the people around us see who we are in christ and i'm going to ask you a tough question that i want you to ponder for a second and there's been some neighbors i've had to ponder this question with myself in life your neighbor and we're we're going to just talk about those right around you where you live right now what's their impression of you The last thing that they saw or heard in your driveway, what do they think? Do they think that you're off your rocker? Or do they think that there's something wrong with you because something has changed your heart? And there's something about you that just exudes love for people. What do they think? I don't want you to answer that question. I just want you to ponder that yourself. And I'll, I'll make it a brief statement this morning, but I've had to apologize to a neighbor in the past because what they saw And what they heard wasn't a reflection of the gospel in my life. But it should always be our neighbors, and especially those right next to us, they should know whether they can speak English or not. Because we have a neighbor that doesn't. But they should know that there's something different about the way we live our lives. Because something, someone has transformed us. Transformed us. Are you allowing the gospel to shape your life and the spirit to control it? Let's pray. Father, again this morning, God, all we can do is say thank you. All we can do is say thank you. And God, we're, we're in awe of you Um, God, we're in awe of your love for us. God, we're in awe. God, just in the simplest terms, we're in awe of what you think about us. And God, just the, the reality that you love us so much, that you've made us right with yourself, Through our relationship with your son. And God, for us, I pray as as we go out today, as we go out every day, that we remember Paul's words and that we let the gospel and our relationship with you constantly transform our lives so that others know. Others know that you love us and we love you and that we love them. So, Father, use us in amazing ways. Give us those opportunities to share your name. Make us aware of them and give us the courage to step into those conversations. Until the whole world hears, Father. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship.